0: From Washington, D.C., the swamp itself, this is The Week's Worst with Allen and Vadim.
1: I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen, Vice President and Chief Investigative Officer of the Capital Research Center.
2: And I'm Matthew Vadim, Senior Vice President at Capital Research Center and Editor-in-Chief of Bombthrowers.com.
0: And I'm Jake Klein, Media Producer at the Capital Research Center, and I'll be moderating this podcast in which we dig through the news for stories that we think are the most outrageous, the most ridiculous, the worst. The Senate version of the American Health Care Act of 2017, with the new title of Better Care Reconciliation Act of 2017, aka the bill to to repeal and replace the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, has seemingly failed in the Senate. After Senators Mike Lee and Jerry Moran joined Rand Paul and Susan Collins in their opposition to the bill, the bill exceeded the two no votes with which it could still pass. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, thus pulled the bill and instead introduced the Obamacare Repeal Reconciliation Act, which would be a partial repeal of Obamacare, but with no replacement, instead providing a two-year delay to figure out replacement before repeal would go into effect. However, three Republican senators have already announced their no votes, leaving the repeal of Obamacare seemingly stalled. So, uh, Matthew, Steve, did you guys support the bill, and uh, why or why not?
2: <laughs> Long pause. Well, it,
1: it, it's a mess that they got themselves in, in, into, and uh, so the question is, you know, is this bill better to pass uh, this bill and uh, and try to fix things later, or to hold out your position? So far, the ones who've held out their position have uh, have made their points pretty well. With at least the ones on on the Rand Paul side who are concerned about. The failure to repeal Obamacare, you know, if you keep Obamacare and you just sort of tinker with it here and there, it doesn't fix anything. It still falls apart and then the Republicans get blamed for it. So I would tend to go wherever uh, Rand Paul, they say Rand Paul or Ron Paul? <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Rand Paul, wherever Rand Paul would go, uh, would be where I would tend to go in an argument like this.
2: Yeah, I would say on this issue, Rand Paul is definitely the man. He is right. Uh, it is a terrible uh, bill. It does not repeal Obamacare. It tinkers around the edges. Yeah, it has a few minor improvements that are, are that are uh, praiseworthy, um, such as the Cruz proposal. Uh, but uh, on the whole, it's uh, it's it's not worthwhile and um i think it's going to make the situation uh with health care in america worse the idea is that we should be uh pulling out obamacare root and branch as the republicans have promised for the last seven years it has been their standard you know their signature campaign promise and now uh you know they said give us the give us congress and we'll we'll do it give us the presidency we'll do it you know, there's no more time. There's no uh, uh, no more time left for excuses. They really should just get the thing repealed, and then uh, and then worry about the replacement later, since they have so much difficulty um, uh, agreeing on on what, uh, uh, if anything, to replace it with.
1: Here's the thing: uh, Obamacare was designed to make it impossible to get rid of. Uh, it's kind of like a cancer in there that you know, in in, in uh, in a part of your body where if you removed the cancer, you would kill the patient. Uh, and, and that's what, what this is. It's set up to uh, shift people onto Medicaid uh, so that then they're, they form an army of, uh, of uh, lobbyists, for keeping the mess that we're in. Uh, it's designed with one cross-subsidy after another. By that I mean picking the pockets of one group of people to help another group of people, except you're no matter who you are, you're in one of the groups at least where the pockets are being picked, and you're in one of the groups at least who are benefiting from the pockets being picked. And if you can keep the focus, if you're the supporters of Obamacare, keep the focus on the the benefits people receive, but not really remind them of the costs then everybody's going to uh you know
2: be uh... in that sense wouldn't you agree it is a politically brilliant uh plan uh, uh it's this ticking time bomb that uh that looks like a box of chocolates basically well, so no one they know how bad it is but they don't want to get rid of it and because when... they they only see the good things in it is and... I, maybe that's a a uh, 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 cheesy analogy, but I think it I think it works here.
1: And, and when the president says uh, something like uh, "Well, let Obamacare fail," what he means is let it proceed on its natural course. Of course, the other side will use that to show, "Oh, no, no, no! It's only failing because of of Donald Trump and the and the Republicans." Uh, but yeah, it was it was uh, put together in a totally uh, haphazard, ridiculous way. We've discussed this before the the um, the fact that the 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 Democrats had lost their 60-vote majority in the Senate by losing the congressional, uh, the Senate election in Massachusetts, and that got them down to 59 votes. And uh, the the Republican candidate had won in Massachusetts by saying, "I want to be the vote that kills Obamacare." And so the uh, Democrats simply. Uh, uh, ran through the sort of rough draft they've been written by insurance companies, uh, and uh, and that became that became the system. And it's uh, it's and one of the reasons it's designed to fail is you have to perpetually bail out the insurance companies. Surprise.
0: Okay, but so the bill might not be perfect. The it is clearly just a revision of the Affordable Care Act that is uh, a somewhat more Republican version of it. But now we have nothing. and no- Nothing's gone through. We are left with Obamacare. So even if the bill wasn't perfect, I mean, shouldn't Republicans have come together uh, to do what they said they were going to do and, you know, pass some form of repeal and replacement?
2: Yeah, Yes, I think that Republicans should have come together, especially uh, uh, squishes like Rob Portman, Republican Ohio. Uh, who is holding out for uh, more subsidies for his state. He wants uh, to protect the uh, totally irresponsible irresponsible commitment uh, Ohio Governor John Kasich made to expand Medicaid there. So these people want to uh, look after their their petty uh, parochial interests instead of looking at um, the well-being of the nation uh, as a whole. And Republicans should just come together, get the darn thing repealed, and then uh, that's the that's the hard part, and then worry about uh, restructuring the insurance industry or whatever changes they, they plan to make, such as allowing, inter, I would hope, allowing interstate competition uh, with insurance and uh, getting rid of a lot of the uh, mandates that come with Obamacare.
0: And just to be clear, you're criticizing Portman for not supporting the uh, clean repeal bill, not the... Uh American Health Care Act bill. I am which criticizing him under. for
2: not supporting straight repeal. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, that's right. I
1: mean, the, the, you know, we're, we, we seem to be focused on the few uh, that are there uh, f- uh, fighting for uh, complete repeal, with the exception of uh, Susan Collins, I guess, and, uh, and Portman. And uh, the, uh, the 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 fact is, it's the people who aren't for Uh, the complete repeal, who were the problem. And then it's the Democrats. And the reason, this is what happens when you control the media. You're able to focus on, uh, you know, if there are three factions and they're at a standoff, then you blame it on the faction you don't like, the one you don't like the most, at least. Uh, You know, I remember for years political scientists had this theory that Americans wanted divided government, uh, so people would vote for one party for Congress and they'd vote for a different party for the for the White House. And but but then if you go back and actually look at the numbers, what it showed was that most Americans wanted unified government most people voted either for republicans to have both the congress and the white house or for democrats to have both the congress and the white house and there was this that little faction in the middle that kept switching back and forth so it wasn't that most Repu- uh, most people wanted a divided government there was a tiny faction in the middle that happened to be the swing vote so the reason i mentioned that so is it's,
2: it's kind of it's kind of a misguided sort of right. grand unified theory isn't right it?
1: right and and so in this case where are the democrats Uh, Why do we not mention that the Democrats have blocked any effort to uh, save us from Obamacare? Uh, Why are they not being held responsible uh, for the Obamacare mess that they put into effect with no Republican votes whatsoever? It's the only major social program that's ever been passed on such a uh, on such a basis. Uh, And uh, the two parties, you know, they laid everything on the line and they said, if you're for Obamacare, if you think it's a great idea, then vote for the Democrats. If you think it's a bad idea, vote for the Republicans. And so uh why are the why are we now focused on the on the Republicans as a problem when the reason you need those last few Republican votes is that you don't have any Democrat votes. Uh, and uh, you know, there even even a, a mansion from West Virginia who supposedly is a moderate. Um, you know, you can't you can't rely on him. So where are those folks? What happened to the Democratic Party uh, that they uh, seem to not care anymore more about fixing the healthcare system, and they want to maintain the political legacy of Barack Obama above every above everything else?
0: To be fair, I mean, I don't think they see it that way. I think they probably genuinely support the Affordable Care Act and don't wish to see it replaced with the Republican proposal. Uh, they, so they, they support
1: be- those those higher premiums uh, and those higher deductibles that are killing and the, the, the killing of small business and all those things. Eh, they, they, they're like politicians. They, they point to the people, and there are people who uh, would be uh, uh, dislocated um uh, if, if Obamacare were to be repealed, that is to say you would have to come up with a replacement system, but, uh, to, 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 deal with their problems that they've now come to expect the government to take care of them on. Um, but that's okay. You could actually do that with a very small program. Uh, it's only about 3% of the population that's not already covered, uh, for say, catast- for, uh, preexisting convent- uh, conditions, um, and can't afford health care because of that, uh, you're talking about about 3% of the population. Because remember, we already have programs for uh, poor people, and we have programs for older people and so on, and other health care programs, the federal government. Uh, and, and we're only talking about the people who weren't covered or wouldn't be covered by those other programs.
0: Well, to be clear about why Democrats have not been supportive of these proposals, as well as why moderate Republicans... Uh, especially Susan Collins are not getting on board. Don't call is... her a moderate. <laughs> what would you What would you call her?
1: A uh, big government Republican, if you want to. Rhino, sure. uh, You know whatever term you want, but but I, I don't like moderate is, a, is like a, a favorable term to a lot of people, and that's not what these people are.
0: Sure, that's fair enough.
2: He's trying to be nice. He's yeah. a nice guy, Steve. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but the, you know, the reason was largely CBO forecasts about. <laughs> about what this bill's effect might be. So CBO estimates show the number of uninsured would vastly rise under uh, the American Health Care Act slash Better Care Reconciliation Act. Uh, By 2026, an estimated 49 million people would be uninsured (laughs) as opposed to 28 million under current law. Uh, Full repeal without replacement would obviously uh, have even worse forecasting. How, you know how can we support something that leaves millions of people without health insurance? The,
1: the, I thought the problem was people not getting health care, and now we're talking about people being insured or not being insured. That was remember that was created by the 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 ultimate rhino group, which was the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, which over over the years, at, at times, it has been pro-free market, but other times it's been representative of crony capitalism. And they wanted to come up with a government system that uh, bailed out big companies that had made long-term health care uh, commitments to their workers and to their retirees. And so they teamed up with Families USA, which is one of the more obnoxious uh, lefty groups. They're the ones who had the buses uh, that traveled the country lobbying for uh, Hillary Care back during the the Clinton administration, and the Chamber of Commerce teamed up with them to promote this idea that what matters is whether you're insured or not. Well, actually, what matters is, you know, from a humanitarian standpoint, is do you get health care? And uh, so now we, we, we so 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 this is and this is how the argument is rigged, because if it's about whether you get insured, well, Obamacare solves the uninsurance problem by forcing you to buy health insurance, so let's solve the homeless problem a homelessness problem, by forcing all the homeless people to buy homes. Uh, Wouldn't that solve it? Uh, Of course, it would be a disaster. And then when the lobbyists got in and they said, well, you know, while we're having uh, everybody forced to buy a house, everybody's house has to have a chandelier, and everybody's house has to have a hot tub, and everybody's house has to have the following thing, because that's what they did with Obamacare. Uh, They put in all sorts of things that the bureaucrats and the politicians wanted people to have to pay for, And they included them in either directly, you know, mainly by putting the sort of and other things clause in there and then allowing the uh, bureaucrats to uh, And and special benefits
2: for unions, too. And special benefits for
1: unions uh, because they were going to be taxed on their Cadillac, uh, so-called Cadillac plans, which is another way of saying the high-quality health care plans for which they had negotiated and had a, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not the biggest— fan necessarily of unions but they had a perfect right to have and uh and to do that in lieu of say um, uh, more wages and they make that decision and then we're going to stick it to them for it but oh no 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 because they're the unions and they they support the democrats we'll exempt them we'll just stick other people you know th- it's it's all politics it's all nonsense uh the the uh you know we've we've discussed the idea that pre-existing conditions are like your house being on fire and if you can wait until you your house is on fire and then buy homeowners insurance then buy fire insurance well, obviously, everybody's going to wait till that point, and then there won't be any premiums being paid to the insurance company, and the insurance company will go bust. Except that it can get a government bailout under something like
2: Obamacare, uh, and, uh, and so something like what the Republicans want to do right now as exactly. well. Exactly.
1: Uh, so, I, I, so I it's just a, it's a, it's a non it's the kind of system that a smart ten year old would not sign off on, and yet that's what we're I guess stuck with.
0: Yeah, I actually, I don't know uh, how Obamacare dealt with um, bailout funds for insurance companies, actually, but that is a major problem with the current Republican bill, which and the biggest reason that Senator Paul is not supporting it.
1: And um, one of the things I, that, by the way, that Marco Rubio, and I've had my differences with Marco Rubio, but at least he focused in during the debate over the last few years on the bailout of insurance companies.
0: Yeah, but there is a $180 billion um uh, insurance company bailout fund in the current bill. And the reason that is is because it gets rid of uh, the Obamacare <laughs> individual mandate. And so how are you going to deal with these death spirals? Uh, the only way to do with it, to do that is to put in external funds to bring premiums back down. So we have um, to bail out the insurance
1: companies who wrote the bill. Karen yeah. Ignani was the head of the America's Health Insurance Plans, or AHIP, and she was a long time career long lobbyist for single payer as it's called government run healthcare and starting when she worked for Walter Ruther's Committee of 100 for National Health Insurance. And then she ends up at the AFL-CIO where she's in charge of the healthcare policy there promoting this sort of thing. And then she ends up the lobbyist for the insurance companies. So, wow. And then surprise, surprise, the insurance companies end up making out like bandits. They get to be regulated utilities like the electric company and the, and the phone company, especially in the old days when it was very, very corrupt uh, and you didn't have alternatives uh, like you do with the say the internet being uh, something of an alternative to the phone company. And so uh, you have this mess that, of course, we're, we're, so the people who created the mess, they're the ones who are going to get bailed out. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, you know, there are ways to design the system so that, Um, the insurance companies, um, don't get bailed out. For example, let's have a free market system. Let's allow people to sell insurance across state lines. Let's have maximum degree of competition. And then the insurance companies that are good insurance companies and that don't want to be crony capitalists, they're going to make lots of money and the other ones will fall by the wayside.
0: Yes, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, uh, looking back though. Uh, it's not like health care was in such a good place uh, before Obamacare either. There were tons and tons of problems, uh, tons and tons of people uninsured. One of the major issues was uninsured people pre-Obamacare would just show up to emergency rooms. Um, the hospitals are mandated. It, for,
2: numbers were always exaggerated, uh, though.
0: Perhaps. Uh, sorry, in what way?
2: The number of uninsured was always exaggerated. It was not an accurate picture of how many people were uninsured. They kept putting out these figures that w- during the campaign the legislative campaign for Obamacare that kept growing, you know, 20 million, <laughs> 30 million, 40 million, and it just kept go, get, they would, they getting would bigger include, and bigger.
1: They would include illegal aliens, and then if you said, oh, so you're going to be covering illegal aliens under Obamacare, they say, no, 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 how dare you accuse us of that?
2: I see. And um, that, that. So I think there's an argument to be made, and they, you know, convinced a lot of people that there was a big, uninsured uh, uh, people's crisis, but um, y- y- It's not actually clear. And then after they, um, Steve would be better to speak to this if he remembers it, the the way that they rejiggered the system so that it became impossible to accurately count how many people were insured and how many people were uninsured they, they Under changed the way the care, they was this right they changed the statistical method so that you couldn't make um, um, an apples to apples comparison from one year it's very complicated and weird but uh, from one year to another and so now the figures that we're using, I don't think people really have any idea what they mean.
1: Yeah, not, not to get too complicated, but when you ask the question one way one year, and then it's a completely different way the next year, and then you take those two numbers and compare them, that's not honest. That's deliberately trying to rig the system to get the result that you want, um, because if you ask the question two different ways, you're going to get two different answers, even if all the facts are exactly the same. Uh, you know, look, this goes back to, believe it or not, I wrote a paper on this in law school. Okay, so we're talking about uh, during the healthcare crisis of uh, the seventies, uh, by the there way, there was a I,
2: healthcare crisis then too. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. I, I I went back at one point and I did uh, research and I found that a major American political figure. Uh, like President Nixon or Senator Edward Kennedy, um, someone at that level. Uh, I, f- I found a quote from each year from 1964 onward until the, I was doing this in the early 90s. For so for 30 years, there was there were major politicians talking about the crisis we had in healthcare, and it was always a crisis. And healthcare kept getting better, people's lives kept getting longer. They kept, uh, and yet the crisis deepened. Yeah, and then, yet the <laughs> crisis deepened all the time. Yeah, and uh, and so I wrote about this paper in law school, which was back in. The the 70s, I I hesitate to admit. And uh, the point was that at that point, you had uh, put in a requirement that uh, hospitals— Treat people who show up at the door, who show up at the emergency room. This was before it was codified in legislation, but they were doing it through lawsuits. So, if somebody shows up at the front at at your emergency room and he's got a bleeding foot, and you say, "Well, do you have insurance, or do you have some other way that you can pay for this?" and he says, "No," and then you say, "No, you need to go to the charity hospital three blocks away." So that person goes to the charity hospital and then loses the foot, even if it wasn't caused by that, the person is then going to turn around and sue you for a million dollars or however much it is. And so it's just to your advantage to just go ahead and treat them at your emergency room, even if they can't pay. This is called, believe it or not, there's a term for this, negligent termination of a gratuitous duty, which is where You're not required to do something, but if you do it enough that people think you're going to do it, like provide emergency service at an emergency room, regardless of ability to pay, if you do it enough that people think you're going to do it, then you're responsible if you don't do it one day. And Yeah, only a lawyer could think of that. I know. A very smart lawyer. Except that I wrote this paper and I said... If this continues, it's going to bring down the healthcare system because this will spread. Then you'll have to. Then you'll put it into law. Then, then once people realize they can show up at the emergency room and not, uh, and you know that's what most people. That's most of their contact with the hospital is something through the emergency room. And then they realize they can just show up, uh, so they won't pay. Then you have to shift the cost shift the cost to the people who did pay can pay, and so you're going to have to raise their costs. And that's why you get, by the way, hospital. Bills that have, you know, we did this test and it took five minutes and it cost you $500. You're really paying for all those people who aren't paying. Uh, And so they work out, you know, they take the number and they divide it up and then you're stuck with the bill. Uh, And in the old days when I covered hospital board meetings, when I was a young reporter, you would always have a discussion during the hospital board meeting of you know old 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 Joe and his wife Sue and they had a premature baby and it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to save the baby and you know guy works at the pipe plant there's no way that uh, they can afford this so we're going to write this off and people and that's how you handle it you did it on an individual a case by case basis so that people who were just you know, uh, let's say someone who is a drug addict and never got treatment or sought treatment and was willing to put all the costs of that, uh, uh, of the problems from that, onto the taxpayers or onto ratepayers or to the hospitals, which would have pass it along to other patients, um, you, could, you could do things to that, you know, you could say to that person, no, we not gonna, we're not going to do that anymore. And, uh, but you can't do that if the government runs it because you have to be fair to everyone. And, and in fact, uh, being a drug addict is a disability. So you get special privileges. And, uh, and that's what happens when the government gets involved. It eventually creates a death spiral. And no matter how many years, how many decades it takes, it's going to happen, and that's why I predicted that and back in the 70s when I was writing that paper for uh, for law school, that we had to get rid of negligent termination of a gratuitous duty, as I called it. Uh, and if we didn't, it was going to bring down the whole healthcare system, and that's sort of how we got to where we are
0: today. I think certainly something we have to talk about here is uh, the moral philosophy of individual responsibility and the idea that you know we don't want anybody to uh, die on our streets but at the same time if you were negligent in terms of not obtaining health insurance i mean there's something for the really you know homeless like destitute poor who really just can't get any sort of health insurance so we need to have something for them uh, perhaps not through government but for you know, the vast, vast majority of people. And most of the people uninsured are just young people who might have the money to get health insurance, but uh, don't think they need it because they are young and healthy. And so we um, have well, this... Br- and br- they
2: may not in- actually need it. Like, you use the word negligently, uh, not getting yeah. uh, health care insurance. And I wonder if that's the right uh, adverb to use there, because um, that implies that you have a duty to... To get health insurance, and, yeah, yeah, an, uh,
1: an old person should pay five or six times what a young person pays because that's how much uh, medical care that they use. I agree. And if you have a system like Obamacare where you even things up and you can't, you know, you limit how much you can charge more for an older person than a younger person, you're taking you're taking money from the pockets of the younger people and you're putting it in the pockets of the older people. And again. If you think, oh, I'm an older person, so I benefit from this. No, 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 no. You're probably in one of those groups that's having uh, the pockets picked as well. But in any event, the point is, it doesn't work. Because then the young people say, wait a minute, I'm going to pay three or four or five or six times as much for my health care as I would in a, you know, as I should, basically as I would in a free market system. Why am I going to do that? So then they don't sign up. And then they have to have, you know, uh, rap stars do do uh, commercials. Oh, it's your it's your duty to sign up for this. Yeah, it's your duty to sign up and get yourself skewered by the government by forcing you to pay a lot more for your health care than you should. And a lot of people don't fall for that. And once people don't fall for that, then the whole thing collapses because you need that money from the younger people who are getting tricked in order to subsidize the older people.
0: Yeah, I do when I say negligent, I don't mean that they have a responsibility to other people. To get health insurance, but rather that they have a responsibility to themselves, not one that should be legally enforced by any means, in my opinion, because as I said, individual responsibility. But uh, if you get cancer, which you can get at any age, if you get uh, diagnosed with some horrible disease that you know would be defined as a pre-existing condition later, uh, if you're in a horrible accident. Uh, you need health insurance to be protected against that. So I think the while I'm very much supportive of non-expected, non-emergency costs going to a pay, more pay-as-you-go model, which would help bring costs down, and is an important part of health insurance reform, uh, certainly having health insurance at all ages is uh, vitally important. But going back to the problems uh, pre-Obamacare, We were talking about people showing up at ERs uh, because they don't have health insurance and then the costs getting shifted around. Um, You know, insurance, health insurance was in a very bad place before Obamacare. So, given that that's the case, uh, how can anyone support repeal without replacing it at the same time, which is what both of you. And I, I, I asked this question to play devil's advocate because I support it as well. That's but all, That's all right. We'll yeah, still like sub- you afterwards. But support, support repeal without replacement at the same time like Senator Paul is pushing for.
1: You'll never get replacement if you don't have it repealed first. That's that's just the the political reality, and if they can't do it, then they're never going to you know it's it's the, the, we're going to be stuck with Obamacare. Um, you the the pledge was we would repeal, then we'd replace it. Uh, you repeal it, you say it's going to be repealed uh, six months from today or a year from today. That gives you six months or it's a year. Two,
0: it's for the record, it's two years in the current proposal.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm talking about you know philosophically how do sure, you yeah. how do you handle it? What's your sure. strategy? And um, you know, two years might be. I mean, there's some things you want to be careful because you don't want to give people chances to, to uh, game the system by changing their behavior. And, and if you give too much time, you might do that. But the point is that you, you, you know, you, from a political standpoint, you've got to swallow and do it. You've got to swallow hard and do it. If you don't, then uh, you're going to be stuck with the system. I I know Republicans who think that, oh, when Obamacare collapses, uh, that it's going to be blamed on the Democrats. Do you think the media are going to point out who's responsible for this? Or do you think that it's all going to be blamed on the Republicans and, gosh, if they'd only supported Obamacare more? They've done that with every single welfare program, every income transfer program, every social welfare program. In my lifetime, it's always been when it fails, it's because we didn't spend enough money, we didn't raise taxes enough to pay for this program, and so on. And that's what they'll they'll do. So I think you've got to you've got to bite the bullet.
0: So last question then. Uh, so what should replacement look like once we get this repeal through? Which. Hopefully we will, although it's very, very iffy at this time. Again, there's just not the votes for it right now, but they're still trying. They're still planning on having a vote as of today. Uh, What do then, when we hit this two-year deadline and we have to have the replacement uh, of some sort, what should it be?
2: There are a number of things that can and and ought to be done. There needs to be competition right now, which is outlawed, um, um, between— insurance companies in every state uh, for health insurance business. So if you live in Alaska and you don't like the policies offered there, you should be able to buy them from a company in uh, New Jersey, for example. And there's no reason why this shouldn't be allowed, except that um, uh, right now the, 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 the state insurers like it the way that it is. They like uh, that they have, uh, I, I guess, in a sense, it's a monopoly, a state level monopoly, uh, sort of, uh, and that that increases their revenues and, um, and gives them a captive audience, a captive market. So the, the barriers to interstate competition need to be brought down, and the mandates, the uh, mandates as to uh, the care that has to be provided. Um, a way, and I'm not sure what the best way is to get rid of those, but those, those should be swept away. Uh, state competition may be, may be enough to do it because uh, people in California, uh, 70-year-old men in California, may get tired of paying for maternity coverage for themselves um, and for um, sex reassignment surgery and hormone uh, therapy you know, to become women uh they may they may tire of paying for all these uh insane mandates that all sorts of special pleaders and interest groups have piled upon um the insurance system uh, over the years. so um, it, it, these things the, the in theory it's not very it's I don't think it's that difficult to to, Fix the healthcare system, but the political reality is it's very difficult to to get these things done. Um, but those things, um, especially allowing interstate competition, would be a huge step forward to um, returning American healthcare to its free market based roots. Yeah, and remember that normally you
1: you're allowed interstate competition in Pretty much everything uh, that only Congress can put restrictions on that. So it's it's Congress that's responsible for uh, the uh, restrictions that keep uh, insurance markets within the state. You don't have that with say homeowners insurance. You don't have that with auto insurance. And I, you I, have I it guess the only insurance.
2: exception is the booze industry, the alcohol industry, because the repeal of prohibition gave states the express power to regulate alcohol.
1: But you have you have a situation where the states can um, what they do is they put the mandates on. And the mandates are a big, big, big part of the problem. Uh, so if you're the chiropractic uh, business, then you go into the state legislature and you make sure that chiropractic is, is covered. Uh, if you're into um, into uh, aromatherapy, uh, if you're into acupuncture, if you're into hair transplants. I mean, there are all sorts of things that in various states are required uh, to be included in health insurance plans. Uh, and uh, and it boils down to if, should a 60-year-old woman who works behind the counter at McDonald's be forced to pay the for the birth control of a 25 year old who's at uh, Georgetown law and is about to be a millionaire uh, and so you if you had uh, sales across state lines that would collapse The system of crooked mandates uh, because you couldn't just go into a state and have uh, and bribe the legislators and then have them include these benefits uh, within for the insurance company within that state. Because if people didn't like it in that state, they could buy insurance from another state. And you would have what I love it how they call it the race to the bottom. You mean the race to the top? Because the race to the top would be people. Would shop around. They'd get the best insurance plan for someone in their category, and they would buy it, no matter what state it was in. And uh, and that would be uh, a big part of it. Once you do that, then a lot of the corruption, a lot of the bribery, um, it it goes away, and uh, and the price, the the costs can go down. So uh, that that's part of the part of the of the uh, fix. And I think the other thing is just focus on the problem. The problem is that you have a small number of people. Who are like myself? Uh, I had uh, I had uh, cancer that was supposedly terminal uh, about t- 20 years ago, and uh, 25 years ago, and the. Uh, you know so someone like me might have a hard time getting uh, health insurance. So you have a program so that it uh, someone like me who has might have a hard time getting health insurance can get it uh, and uh, people I have a, a friend with a MS similar situation. So I'm very sensitive to that. I understand there are folks who can't afford health insurance because of something uh, that crops up and uh, and you should have uh, something to take care of that small, Number, As I say, maybe 3% of the population outside of the people who are already covered because they're old or they're um, poor. Uh, And and go back to solving the problem instead of creating this government monstrosity that tells people what they can have. As long as you have a mandate, the government is going to have to decide what's in that mandate. And generally this means, because you don't have individual members of Congress sitting there figuring these things out, what it means is you're going to have bureaucrats do it. And bureaucrats aren't elected by anyone. They're not accountable to anyone. In most cases, we have no idea who they are. And they're making these decisions that under the Constitution can only be made by the elected officials. Uh, and uh, we need to get you know back to a system where the people who make policy are actually— the ones responsible to us in, in the form of elections uh, and away from uh, from having folks who, who, uh, who aren't responsible in any way and can go on their merry way and they can make all kinds of requirements and never pay a price for the damage that's done. And we need to move toward a system like that as far as I'm concerned.
0: I'd also encourage our listeners to go to our website at capitalresearch.org, where we have an article and a video called Free market healthcare reform, go big on liberty or go home, where we have some suggestions of what replacement should look like and what types of regulations that exist in the Affordable Care Act that removing and changing uh, would do a lot of good. Um, I think also just looking at the issues that we have in healthcare broadly, which Obamacare was just some new problems Piled on top But we have had problems with health insurance Steve, you were just talking about back to the 70s But even further back uh, There were FDR era wage and price controls Which are the reason that people stopped buying Health insurance on the individual market Because now uh, Employers were incentivized Because they could not pay their employees more cash to give them other goods uh, to uh, be competitive and getting good employees so they started offering health insurance and that's how we ended up with the system we have today where the vast majority of people get their insurance through their employer and that came with a lot of problems the pre-existing condition problem when we talk about that that's a problem that exists because somebody had a lapse in coverage right what pre, a pre existing condition means is that uh, the condition pre existed to somebody having insurance. And one of the reasons that comes about is somebody loses their job, they change their job, they need to change their insurance plan, uh, but now they have a condition. Uh, if the individual market were expanded and we got rid of the incentives to uh, have employers provide health insurance, perhaps. And, and one of the suggestions we have in this article is maybe employers should give HSA uh, donations and, or, or contributions, and that should be encouraged. And that way, people would go and shop for their own insurance on an individual market that they could then keep paying for after they change jobs or lose their jobs. And they, have, they can have a health care plan that follows them their entire lives, which we don't have right now. As well, we have the essential mandates uh, in Obamacare, but there were also some before that, of things that insurance plans must cover. Now, a lot of those things are things that people would not be smart to buy health insurance unless it has them, but some of them, that's not the case. You know, there's lots of expected doctor's visits, expected medical costs. That now, because we treat health insurance as if it's a health subscription plan, where you're just going to get all your healthcare needs through your insurance plan, well, all of a sudden we've lost all sorts of competitive factors in health. Well, it's not really
2: insurance; it's more just a prepaid. Um, yeah, that's exactly. Uh, it's a prepaid uh, uh, package of services. That's, that's
0: exactly what I mean. By subscription. And so, or or a
2: PPO, as they call it nowadays, a preferred uh, provider organization plan.
0: Uh, Sure. But uh, so, what that means is uh, things like regular doctor's visits, expected medical costs, maybe. Uh, uh, surgeries which are not 100% necessary or care which people might choose not to get because it's just not the most urgent thing in the world. It's not life-threatening. It's not super serious. I had to have physical therapy a couple months ago that, frankly, I didn't really need to have but made that choice because the costs were hidden to me. Did there they try Did they try yeah.
2: to chop off your leg to no, make an extra buck as <laughs> no, President Obama accused no, no, like doctors of? No,
0: but there oh. weren't competitive factors at, at play here uh, telling me making me choose okay this is going to cost me this much do i need it do i not need it i'm making that choice as well as shopping around between different providers of health care deciding um okay i can get it cheapest from here and, and and not there so i'll go here and because we don't have those pressures because insurance has been mandated to call of, to cover all of this stuff that insurance and in other fields uh, doesn't cover I mean imagine if your car insurance covered uh oil oil changes or gasoline the things th- those would uh, skyrocket through the roof because nobody's looking at the prices anymore so your insurance costs would overall rise but you're still paying an insane amount through gas it's just or, or oil it's just hidden by that barrier and so I think that's a really major change um, that would make a really big difference, and that's and, and, and I, that's why free markets can make a huge difference.
1: And, and I would just jump in to 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 re- reiterate what you said about the way we got into a system where people got their health insurance through their employers. I mean, you don't do your car insurance that way, you don't do your homeowner's insurance that way, your life insurance, but yet you do your health insurance. Now, why is that? And as you said, what happened was the government, uh, stupidly, put in wage and price controls. Uh, This was the excuse, was World War II. And and, and so people, employers, were trying to get around the wage and price controls. They had to in order to stay in business uh, and to get the best employees and so on. And so they would offer health insurance benefits, which weren't Uh, part of the compensation for purposes of wage and price controls, so they would give health insurance. It, it benefits. was a new
2: interpretation of the tax code.
1: Yeah, and and, and the uh, unions, of course, were were glad about this because they were able to then go to their members and say, "Look, we got you this great new benefit of health insurance." Uh, so it was basically the employers and the and the unions uh, uh, working together, uh, one to get around the law and the other to get credit from their members. And then when World War Two is over. Uh, people realized. Wait a minute! People are getting this uh, this health insurance in lieu of compensation, but it's really a, it's a benefit that should be taxed. If you if you handed out uh, free food to all your uh, all your uh, staffers uh, on a regular basis, then uh, over time, they, you know, it would it would represent part of your compensation, and the government would say, hey, we should tax that. So, but when they tried to do that, everybody said, no, 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 no. Uh, we like this fact that it's tax-free, uh, that tax-free dollars are used to pay for our, uh, our health benefits. And so that was the system we were stuck with. Now, that worked okay at a time when the average person stayed at the same job for decades, but when we move to a different kind of economy, uh, with people changing jobs repeatedly seven, eight, nine times in a lifetime, uh, then now you now you've got a problem because you're you're absolutely right. Then the pre-existing condition thing really clicks in. Because whereas if you had the health insurance all along and you got cancer, well, it, you know if you had your health insurance before you got the cancer, it's not a pre-existing condition. It's only a pre-existing condition because in the meantime you've changed jobs and now you're on a completely different health insurance plan and the new health insurance uh, company says, no, 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 we don't want to pay for that thing you already have, which is perfectly reasonable, but puts you in a real bind. And again, this is a case of the government creating a problem and then saying, Hey, rely on us to fix it—the ones who created the problem in the first place—and we we should keep that in mind because that's what uh, is happening with a lot of uh, the uh, in, in a lot of the debate on Obamacare, which is we are counting on the people who caused the problem to fix it.
0: All right. That's our show for this week. We'll be back next week and we hope you'll join us. If you're not already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on social media at Capital Research Center on Facebook and YouTube and at Capital Research on Twitter.
2: I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen. And I'm Matthew Veda.
0: And I'm Jake Klein. Thanks for listening.